if you if you want to get out of the van, you've got to learn how to train and coach your people. And when when I talk to my my ops managers, you know, we talk about this is what you need to focus in on. Uh, you need to spend a third of your time with the operations, and then another third of your time needs to be recruiting. And thirdly, you got to be a coach and have that coach's heart that you want to see these guys uh, improve. And uh, that's what I look at, that's what I teach, and that's what I did. Welcome to the Waste No Day podcast, a podcast specifically for and about the home services industry as it relates to plumbing, heating, air conditioning, and electrical. More than a podcast, Waste No Day is a credo, a determination, a mindset. It is a never-ending discipline. It is a refuse-to-lose pursuit. It is a wake-up call every morning to waste no day. Now here's your hosts, Brian Burton and Nate Minnick. Hey, welcome to another episode of the Waste No Day podcast. Your hosts, Nate and Brian, are hanging out with you here again. And man, we are excited to talk about a tale as old as time, how another person in the trades has found a ladder and found their way from the truck to the owner spots. We're bringing on Aaron Hagen to talk to us about growing his electrical company and so much more. But before we get to his interview and wise advice, we're going to turn to Brian for our quote. You don't build a business, you build people. Then people build the business. Zig Ziglar. Oh, my man Zig. He's, he's good for a lot of quotes. He's good for a lot of things. Quotes being one of them. I got to hang out with, uh, well, I'm sure we'll talk about this with Mr. Hagen, but got to hang out with Aaron uh, recently, and my man's all about his people. That's like what he talked about. Systems... You know, the business, the people, with with the people coming first. So I have no doubt that his his time and investment goes into the people and then the people build the business. He was a, he was a delight. Good to hang with. It speaks a lot to the culture, right? Like that that type of mentality that goes with it. The culture that is birthed out of having that people first, people centric um, thought pattern. It creates a good place to work and a place for people to flourish, for people to grow, and for people to take the same journey that he did, uh, going from a truck to owning his own business or you know somewhere far up the ladder. It's really exciting. And speaking of exciting, Brian, like one thing that is exciting is seeing the development of people in that journey themselves, right? So we here at, at our own company, we have seen uh, plenty of technicians grow from being in the truck to moving on to higher levels of field supervisor and, you know, eventually making the transition either into like a service manager role, assistant service manager role. It's really cool to see that not only because it's exciting to watch somebody grow, but also because you get that, that fresh innovation coming from the field that is applied directly back into the field, right? It's like, here's all the things that I've seen in the field that I think could be better. And now I'm finally in a position where I can, I can actually institute change like that and turn all that energy from the field right back into field to make it a better place. And we see that time and time again. I mean, Tyler's a perfect example. He came from the field. He's now our, our uh, heating and air conditioning service manager. And man, has he revolutionized plenty of things. Yeah, uh, what all three of our service managers were came from a truck. Two of them learned the trade here. 
Um, yeah. Almost all of our supervisor managers came from trucks here. Right. And, and in it's a great of, thing about the trades, man. It is. And, it it, is. and, it's, and it's somewhat unique to the trades as well. But let's talk electrical. All right. Oh, about HVAC. That is what we're doing here. Let's talk plumbing, but if we're not going to talk that <laughs> on this episode, at least, let's talk Sparky, baby. Um, it's a tricky one to grow, isn't it? I mean, uh, I think we have a little bit of uh, secret sauce there that's worked for us. We do, but even with that, it's it's trickier to grow than the other two. Like you don't have, you don't have the demand in electrical. No, I think the last time I heard that, the average person has an electrician out every what five to seven years. Yep. Uh, and and in terms of HVAC, it's I, I think it's got the club membership. One baby. to two, one to two, and plumbing is one to two as well. Something like yep. that. Those are rough stats, but. Yeah, just less call for the Sparkies. Right. When's the last time someone you knew had an electrical emergency? That they didn't first try to fix themselves, right? Yeah, which is, it should be, really should be the one you're least likely to want to tinker with. Out of all the things that could kill me. Yeah. Well, if you look at like, I mean, research, Google the stats real quick on how many people died last year in your city in electrical fires versus plumbing floods or HVAC whatever's i guess carbon monoxide like electrical fires from the electrical system in the home kill people that's real right and it's not rare either it's like you know we were we were talking it was like last year that we we looked this up and we found like three news stories from that year where families had perished in fires called by caused by faulty electrical system in our county Maybe it's just like the simplicity of it. You know, it's like, ah, it's just a couple screws and some wire and a, and until a screwdriver. You're, until you're, you're Mel Gibson <laughs> and Danny Glover's on the toilet. <laughs> Cut the blue wire. <laughs> that sucker just starts going off. You got to jump in the cast iron tub, huh? I, it could be. I don't, don't watch Lethal Weapon. I'm not sure I ever have, so. My goodness. <laughs> I got to get a new co-host. <laughs> you're wasting your life here. <laughs> I'd waste no day, Brian. <laughs> you waste a lot of days if you haven't seen the. <laughs> All right. Anyway, let's get you on watching Lethal Weapon. And okay. uh, yeah. So, but it's a tough one to scale because you don't have the demand that you would have in HVAC and plumbing. And people are so hungry for like estimates in Sparky. Yes. Like, I need yes, an estimate to all. replace uh, a light bulb in my 20 foot uh, foyer, 20 foot ceiling foyer. I need an estimate to replace the light bulb. Like, okay. Oh, I thought you were saying you personally. I actually no. have no, no joke. I have a 15-foot A-frame ladder in my foyer right now set up because I was changing the light fixture. See, there you go. Um, I guarantee you one of our CSRs has taken that phone call in the last month. But I'm, yeah, I'm doing it myself. I, See? See? There are electricians 20 feet from me right now. But yeah, my wife, like so many, cheap. Yeah, likes to Don't, see uh, likes to see Brian working. Likes to see me on a top of a wiggling. You know, there was a <laughs> terrible situations <laughs> where if I died early and not of natural causes growing up in Detroit, it was more than likely due to a drive by. Oh, I right? thought you were going to say there was a time in your life where Amelia actually would have cared about me falling off a ladder. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's debatable. <laughs> um. Now at you know forty two. Now you got that life insurance policy. No, if I go, <laughs> if I go early, not from natural causes, falling off the top of an A frame ladder in my foyer is high on the list of how that could happen. You know? <sighs> yeah, 
Yeah, for sure. Uh, Stupid dog. Lifelong injuries waiting Our, to happen. We got a Rhodesian Ridgeback. It's like 105 pounds of muscle and and about five grams of brain. <laughs> and he just kept like. Oh, I'm that all, was the dog. Yeah, I'm sitting. Oh, gotcha. I'm sitting on the top of this ladder. Like I have to sit on the top to reach this, and it it's got a little movement to it. I mean, it's not crazy uh, uh, unstable, but it's it moved a little. The dog would just run past and slam into into it with his side, like <laughs> not graceful. And I'm up there, like <sighs> teetering. It's in the middle of the foyer. Like there's no wall to touch. I can't touch a wall on any of the four sides. So like. Front to back, this thing doesn't move, but side to side, it's got a little give. Legal note, Waste No Day is not advocating any type of uh, exercise like this. In Enough with the malarkey. Please have a professional electrician. Call Mr. Sparky. There it is. <laughs> <laughs> no, but you bring up a good point, Brian. It, it is difficult to, to grow an electrical business. And, uh, you know, we've seen in whether it's social media groups or just people that we've conversated with that there's a, a massive desire for more electrical sales training growth uh yeah, strategies yeah. presentation training right? yeah it, it is good it's good to have like to have to come through that where you have to figure out how to get calls to your electrical business versus the other two because you can't become you can't become weather dependent i mean you can become somewhat storm dependent like certain types of storms will knock services out and stuff like that but right you, you're not going to build a business on hoping you get that kind of storm so you have to figure, you have to get pretty crafty and creative. <clears throat> and we've, we've done that to, you know, to a decent extent here where we can run a pretty busy and profitable electrical division, but it's not a $25 million electrical division. No, like our friend not. Mr. Hagen's Mr. running over Mr. here. Mr. Hagen. Yes. That's a, that's pretty legit, but you got, you just got to fine tune everything all the time. You've got to be on top of your, your like social media presence and your SEO and your pay-per-click and all that stuff. I'm, I imagine um, people who only have an electrical division, they got to be some of the more creative marketers out there. And lest any of you think that uh, Mr. Hagen hasn't made in the shade and he just walked into a $25 million business. Uh, no, not at all. And you'll find out, I believe more in this interview, exactly where his roots are. Pressing the gas pedal of an electrical truck, baby. <laughs> Is that like uh, oxymoron? Oh, okay. I got you. I was trying to work oh, that through. Yeah, no, it's not an electric truck. <laughs> the gas yeah. pedal of an electric. Okay. Yeah. Electrician truck. How about that? Right. Got it. Yeah. He was, uh, he's from the field, but we'll get more into that with, with Aaron. Yeah. It would be really fun to talk about how to, maybe we'll do a special side episode on how to generate more calls for your specific electrical company right residential service electric right i mean you know we're not going to spend too much time on like new construction and stuff but how do you get more calls on the board for your electrical business i think one of the i mean just as a a preview to what that episode could hold one of the main things is really service agreements which i think are underutilized in the electrical contractors world I mean, it's, it's typical of HVAC, right? Everybody's like, oh, yeah, you know, get your annual maintenance, your fall maintenance, your spring maintenance, whatever. Yep. Um, and even to some degree in plumbing where people are like, yeah, get your water heater flush and all that stuff. But I think electrical maintenance or electrical inspections, annual inspections, annual so health checks, safety inspections, safety inspections, all that stuff is way, way underutilized. We got a group chat where the guys will send in, the, the guys doing the electrical safety inspections will send in some just insane stuff they find sometimes where it's like 
the outside of an outlet is looks like it was put in this morning and then they pull the two screws out or pull the screw out and, and pull that thing off and the inside is like cooked like it looks like it should smell like smoke right yeah and that was just sitting there you know behind a chair not even being used backstabbed or whatever and uh nobody knew about it it's just just crazy it's the type of stuff that i want to i want to know about Absolutely. And, and you know, how many homeowners go down and regularly look at their electrical panel, take off the cover and actually see behind it, right? It's just like how many people, open, this one. how many people open up the hood of their car? Not this one. Right. Right. Not many. You don't, I didn't understand on. what I was looking at before all the computers and stuff. Now it's a whole different animal. <laughs> it is, it is. And uh, yeah, man, we got, we got tons of stuff to talk about in terms of electrical, really excited for this interview. And without further ado, we're going to put Mr. Aaron Hagen in your passenger seat. Our guest today is Aaron Hagen. He is a second generation electrician and started working for his dad uh, during the summer when he was 12. Moving his way through some of the systems out there like Contractor 2000, which is now known as Nexstar, and then ESI, he eventually fell in love with the Mr. Sparky franchise model and bought into the franchise in 2009. He now owns seven locations, including Northwest Arkansas, Oklahoma City, Tulsa, Kansas City, and two locations in Phoenix and Austin, Texas. In his first year in 2009, he did $369,000 in revenue. This year, 2022, they are on pace to finish with $25 million. We're excited to bring Aaron on the show. Welcome here, Aaron. Hey, glad to be here, guys. Glad I'm to a, have you, I'm buddy. I'm a fan. I'm a fan. Listen to this. Uh, we listen to this podcast all the time. All my, uh, uh, We put it out to our employees and, and to our, our techs and to our managers alike. So, awesome. Hey, it was great having you on today, Aaron. Thanks for calling in. It's really, <laughs> it's the only reason we got you yeah, on that here. That was so. a nice plug. Just a nice plug. Yep. Okay, that's a, just a nice commercial. Thanks. Thanks though. <laughs> no, uh, Aaron and I, I don't think, I don't think it was the first time we met last week. Was it? It may, it may have been. Gosh, it may have been. I know yeah, we've been. had to have bumped into each other. Brian is pretty forgettable. So I wouldn't yes, blame Brian him. is very forgettable. <laughs> Um, but it, but it was certainly the first time we got to hang out and, uh, Aaron, right. Aaron and I, and Lenny Sears and a f- few other people, Michael Green from, from, uh, Ben Franklin corporate and Mark Dawson and a few other people all got to hang out and, uh, ride around in a rented Bronco together and really kind of get to know each right. other, uh, last week in Myrtle beach. So it was a great time and specifically wanted to thank you as my wife and I were talking about, uh, yesterday for buying us a nice steak dinner while we were down there. I'm, I'm glad it is the least I could do. I mean, you, you hauled me around all over Myrtle Beach, uh, so that was, that was the least I could do. No, we used this this app was awesome because there were no rental cars available, <clears throat> so we were there for like a franchise function uh, put on by Authority Brands. But my wife and I stayed stayed a couple extra days. I, I think she didn't tell her mom that uh, we were only there for three days, and then we stayed for five, so she would continue to watch our four children for us. Thank you very much, Tammy. And um, <laughs> so we we wanted a rental car, so you know we weren't just at the hotel the whole time. And uh, there were zero available. Went through the app, went went to the rental car companies, went through the airport, couldn't get one. So we checked out this Turo app and. Um, 
cool, cool lady. Alyssa loaned her, or uh, rented us her, her, or not explore her uh, Ford Bronco for the week. It was like a hundred bucks a day, which is about what we'd pay a rental car company for a nicer vehicle. And uh, it, it worked out well because we got to kind of roll around together and had a good time. Good. And no, we're not. Uh, we're not sponsored by Ford or the Turo app. Thank you. <laughs> Although the app is handy right now because rentals are very difficult. Yeah, that was very handy, and it and it's such a. There's no like rental car place to go to. Like Alyssa texted me, "Hey, it's in short term parking lot B three or whatever." So. I, I just like walk out of the airport and look ahead and there's the short term parking walk across the street and it's sitting right there and you use the app to open the door. I'm like, man, the technology these days, you know, these kids got it made. That's awesome. Yeah. Speaking of having it made, cool. uh, we are talking to you because you are well on your way to having it made as somebody who is taking the electrical career, uh, not only from in the truck to now owning your own business and from, two trucks to now dozens and we really want to hear about your story and and what that all entailed how you got there and what's been the differentiator uh as to that growth compared to others and what you've done to be so successful so let's dig in with that aaron if you don't mind we we'd love to start off by just kind of checking in with you and your background where do you come from what's your story oh man um Let's, you know, we go back first, first, you know, I'll start where we are right now. We've done, um, I I have an amazing staff, amazing team of people that are around me. And the reason why we're, we're able to grow and see the things that we're doing, uh, right now is honestly because of the leadership team, uh, that we have right now. So they've done an amazing job and, and uh, honestly, they're carrying me at this point, doing an amazing job with that. Uh, but starting at the very beginning, man, I, I can tell you that my story is a story probably like a lot of other business owners that are out there that have done this for very long at all. Like, you know, it's a, it's a story getting punched in the face, you know, over and over again and pick, I had to figure out how to get myself back up, you know, and, and what I found out is as I got, you know, continually knocked down and, and run into obstacles that I began to learn that, Hey, that, that's, that doesn't feel good. I shouldn't try that again. I shouldn't do that again and do something different and, and just adjusting. It just has to do a lot with grit. I think at that point more than did with anything. Um, and, and, you know, I started, uh, as a, as an electrician, I'm a second generation electrician. My dad's an electrician. Uh, so I worked with him, uh, in a, in a one man, uh, in a one man, uh, shop. That's what he did. That's kind of what he liked. He re- really didn't want any employees and, and uh, I remember starting with them and I did, you know, I was like, man, I want to do something. I want to have something a little bit bigger than this and, and build something. And so we started working towards that and long story short, and my brother came along with us and, and, uh, and then in, in 2000, I think it's around 2007, 2008, uh, you know, we kind of decided at that point it was, it was, it was, it was rough sailing uh, with, we had too many chiefs and not enough Indians to make this thing work. And, so uh, we kind of split ways, and, and I took the company, and, and uh, at that point, I decided to um, buy into this uh, this franchise, this uh, Mr. Sparky franchise. At that point, was you know I think maybe a couple of years in at that point, very brand new, but uh, I was super excited about it, and 
that was starting that first year that we were that, that we were part of the franchise uh, in '09, I believe. We did I think three hundred and sixty nine thousand uh, dollars that year uh, with uh, with me partially doing some other things. I was I was doing some uh, real estate stuff. I was building some houses, and then I was also I'm also an electrician. I was also in the truck and had a couple other guys that worked for me at that point. Uh, and uh, and then of course. If you guys remember back, both of you guys are young guys. I don't know if you remember back, back in, uh, back in about that time, that the, the housing, uh, you know, the housing market just kind of crashed at that point. And we went into a recession and, uh, things got really, really difficult, uh, there. And, and this is kind of part of one of the stories of where I, where I kind of got punched in the face, uh, early on and had to figure out whether I was going to get back up or I was going to quit or, or what was going to happen. And, and, uh, I, you know, I had a, I had some real estate deals that were going on there and ended up falling through really no fault of my own, but it ended up happening and ended up having to, uh, uh, file for bankruptcy, uh, which is something I'm not proud of, but it's part of my story. It's part of why I'm here today. Uh, and, uh, and, and it made the road, uh, really difficult. But what I found is when you hit those obstacles, in life in general and business in general, uh, you know, if you make it through those obstacles, there are blessings on the other side of that. Uh, you know, there are opportunities or blessings, you know, that you learn through that piece. And, and I learned a lot because, um, I just started that business. I mean, we had just started this business, uh, you know, hopefully you guys don't know anything about bankruptcy, but at that point, you know, I, I, I didn't have a credit card. Uh, to fall back on. I didn't have, I couldn't go out and buy any vehicles. You know, I had that cash to buy vehicles, uh, or borrow money in other ways to be able to make it happen. So I had to, I had to figure a lot out. And, you know, for 10 years that followed me around. Uh, but I learned a whole lot and, and I built a foundation because of that. But I remember when that happened, um, Brian, I know, I know you know, Nate, I'm not sure if you do, but, uh, you guys remember Terry Nicholson, right? Sure. Yeah. So, so, so Terry was the head of the franchise back then, or one of the top guys in, in the franchise. And I remember after I filed that, that, that bankruptcy that I got a call from, from, uh, from Terry. And, um, it was, it was a call that I was dreading more than any other call. And I was under huge amounts of stress anyway. But the one thing I didn't want to lose was, was this business and, and this franchise because I, I just love this. I bleed the spark you read. It is something that it got to, to this day, I love this brand. I love the Mr. Sparky brand. I love it because, you know, I got to go and, and, uh, and visit Patrick Kennedy and, and uh, not many people, I don't hear many people on these podcasts and different things talk a ton about Patrick Kennedy, but man, he, he was just a mentor. He was a guy that, that uh, that change this electrical industry, and I think most of the guys that are having success today can point back and say that because of the things that he innovated back then, we're here today. And uh, well, whether and they learned, know it or um, not, most of them probably don't right. even know it. Yes, and so I visited I've been visited Patrick's shop multiple times, and and uh, and got to sit down and talk with him and 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 learn a lot. And, and man, I did not want to lose. Uh, this business. And I remember Terry saying, Hey, I got, you know, I've got this paperwork that you filed bankruptcy. Tell me about this. What was going on? And I had this, this huge fear inside of me that he was going to say, you know what, well, we need to, we need to end this. You know, this is, this is too big of a risk. 
you know, at this point, because I was a nobody. I was nothing. I was, you know, a little small guy that was barely any revenue at all. And I remember telling Terry at that point, I said, hey, Terry, I promise you, I promise you, you will not regret giving me this chance and letting me keep this franchise. I promise you, I'm going to build this up into something that makes you proud and makes this franchise proud. And, and, uh, still kind of gives me chill bumps today when I, I think about that at that point. And, and, uh, you know, from that point on, it wasn't, it wasn't smooth selling at all, but I had a direction and I think it was a positive thing because when those kind of things happen, you know, going through a bankruptcy and, and basically having, uh, several different forms of, uh, streams of income to having one, I had to focus in on, on this one, on this Mr. Sparky and, and like I said, we, we figured it out, began to build and, and, uh, and begin to grow. And, uh, I had to, I had, you know, suck up a, a lot. My, my mom owned a real estate company and, and, uh, I talked her into just let me have one of the little offices in there. And that's what I kind of ran <laughs> our business out of was just a little office in the bag for a lot of years. Uh, and, uh, it, early on in that, um, and, and, you know, I remember the I remember the first time I got to I got to do any advertising other than the other than the yellow pages, you know, back in the day. And that was, you know, I had just paid off a I just paid off a a, a van, and I was like, okay, I'm just going to put that money towards some radio. And uh, you know, at that point, I just dug in. I began to make phone calls and and uh, I began to visit other shops every chance that I could and learn everything I could from these other amazing owners that were out there that had so much knowledge. I just want to soak in whatever I could. And, and, uh, and I mean, the network, the Mr. Sparky network, this network, man, it's, it's a reason why we're here today. I learned so much and I'm so grateful for the people that allowed me to come in there. And, and I had a friend that told me one time, this is kind of funny. He's like, Hey, I understand why you're where you're at. It's because you're not afraid to ask stupid questions. Uh, and <laughs> was that his polite way of telling you you just asked a stupid question? Or, that's something yeah, Nate would do, yeah, you know? Like, yeah, it, it took a second, and I was like, okay, I'm going to take this this way. This is what he really meant was that, you know, he's not afraid to – I wasn't afraid to ask questions that others, you know, were afraid to ask because they're afraid it's going to make them look stupid because sure. we just didn't know. I mean, it was early days, early days in this business. I'm an electrician. I, you know, I went to college just enough, uh, to long enough to flunk out. You know what I mean? Uh, and, and that, you know, that pretty much was my, my story as far as college. I, I didn't have that. And so when we got into this, I had no idea how I even do, uh, I didn't know what gross margin was at that point. I had literally embarrassing moment. I would go to these meetings and people were talking about their, you know, their KPIs and their gross margin and all this stuff. And, I remember back then you didn't have Google, uh, which really ages me, uh, or at least you didn't have it on your phone. You had to go back at somewhere and be able to look it up. But I remember going to Barnes and Noble and picking up, you know, those yellow books that said, uh, financials for dummies, uh, and looking up what all that, what, what all that terminology meant because I didn't, I didn't know what it meant, uh, at that point. But, uh, I dug in and, and I had a lot of help from a lot of people and we were able to, uh, to, uh, uh, to continue to grow, uh, and we continue to do a lot of, you know, we had a, a nice positive direction and we got hit in the face again in 2017, uh, which 
we're established. We're a five million dollar company at that point. Uh, and uh, and during that year, we lost every single every single tech that we had. We wow. lost. We did not have a single guy that from January to December they ended up saying we. And I had built, and this is on me. I had built a toxic culture. Didn't realize I was building a toxic culture. That's, but I, I was. That's so. That that's so strange to hear. Because, you know, just being around you and, and getting to talk to you here uh, recently, you're not, you're the furthest possible thing away from a toxic person. But it, but it does go to show that if, if your focus is not on what your culture is becoming, it will just become toxic. It's like your, your backyard. If you don't plant grass seed and water it and put fertilizer and weed, weed and feed on there, you will just naturally grow weeds. You don't have to, you don't have to promote it. Is that kind of, is that kind of what happened in, in your shop's case? Well, yeah, that's, that, that's exactly right. What, what, what was happening was I'm ultra competitive. I mean, like, I don't know if you guys have ever done the strength finders, uh, the strength finders test, and it kind of gives you your top five strengths. Uh, and it, it, it bases it off of, I think, 31 different strengths. And you can get your top five strengths out of that. Well, no, I haven't, uh, uh, I haven't I seen, that, I've not seen, is that just something online? Oh no. Yeah. It's, it's a, it's a Gallup. Gallup is the one that does this. Uh, and I think they changed it. They changed the name of it now. Um, I'll look it up and tell you exactly what that is, but it originally was strength finders. Uh, and, but it was from the Gallup group, you know, does all the research and everything. And so they have put, uh, they put these, it's fascinating. I mean, it's really, really good stuff. It goes along with, I don't know if you guys do a lot of personality testing and stuff like that, but it kind of works hand in hand with that. Uh, it, it tells you your strengths, not necessarily, uh, your weaknesses. And it gave me my top five strengths and my number one strength was, was competition. Uh, and it, it, it was true to a point that, you know, in our, I was pushing competition. I felt like it was the best way for us to grow uh, our business. I mean, we had banners uh, in our training room of guys, record numbers. And every year we had a, every year we'd have a banner ceremony. And if someone beat someone else's record, we took down that banner and we put their banner with their name on it, their new record, <laughs> you know, on it. And, and we put it up over the other one. They got to take the old one down, you know, and, and, and that was, that was our culture. It was what it was. It was like, it was, man, we, we were competing and it got to the point that, uh, it just, it just got, it, it got really toxic. And, and about that time, um, I started reading several books and we started really working on our, uh, on our culture. We really started working on our core values and our mission statement and all these kind of things. And, uh, and so we really started to find it and I was like, man, I am, we are not what I want us to be right now. And so when we started making those changes, uh, we had to let a couple of high performers go. And then it was just, it was spiral at that what, point. Before we get too uh, far off of it, what yeah. would, if, if you read a handful of culture building books, what would you say was the most impactful book that one of our, if, if a listener wants to pick one up and check it out? I think, uh, I think traction is a great book. One that I, one that I really, that I really, um, gravitated to is called scaling up uh and uh, it, it was one that i had to read several times because it was it was out of my league when i first read it the first time uh so it's one of those kind that 
I read it, I listened to it, and then I read it again, I listened to it again and several times, and, and I would take chapter by chapter and be able to pick that stuff up. And then when I started learning, hey, here's some, uh, you know, there's some really great tidbits in here, but I've got to get some of these other things straight as far as culture goes. I really started looking into, you know, our core values and our mission statement, and I want something really original to us. And I think it was back in like 2016 that we really started making those changes. And um, you can go back. There's a great podcast. And I, and I think we talked about this one the other day, but uh, Craig Rochelle uh, leadership podcast has some just great information, really, really good stuff. And if you go back and search it, he has things on, on that on core values. I even went into uh, some people may not have heard of him, but a guy named Andy Stanley He's a pastor of a, of a really large church, but he has great leadership material. Yeah, he's Char- and, uh, Charles Stanley's son, right? Yes, he is. That's exactly right. And he has some amazing leadership stuff. But if you go back in his podcast, he has some really good stuff talking about setting up your core values and your uh, and your um, and your mission statement or vision statement. And so, not I, just that too, but uh, information. when I first got into management here, when Larry Rohr was the owner. Um, I don't think actually I wasn't even in management. I was in a truck, you know, I was, I was fresh out of rehab where I had been just kind of locked away getting, getting clean and getting right. And my, my wife and two kids at the time were in my mom's basement. So when I got out, it was like, you know, thank God, Larry and Larry Rohr and Matt Buckwalter hired me. Um, but I hit the ground running. Like I was, I had no intention of being home ever. And Larry handed me a book (laughs) as I was putting in like, you know, 60 hour weeks, just working anytime I could to, you know, we had debt all of a sudden and a low credit score and and I wanted to get out of all this Mm -hmm. and buy a home. And he handed me this book by Andy Stanley called, I believe it was called choosing to cheat. And it was all about priorities and putting work. Now imagine the, the boss, the owner of the company handing you a book like this because he thinks you're working too much. Uh, and this book was all about putting work and money before the family. But, uh, yeah. and this, this was an Andy Stanley book. Mm-hmm. It's good stuff. Yeah. Sorry. What? Sorry. Go on. No, man. No, I, <laughs> no, I think that, yeah, that, that absolutely feels right in there. But that was what happened. Uh, come to find out when I started finding out some different things, though, when we started trying to change that culture, we started having a little bit of a revolt. You know, people started revolting against, hey, this is this is not this is not this is not what I want it to be, uh, and uh, and then when we started clearing people out, it was just was like, I mean, we we literally lost every check that we had at that point, uh, in three different locations, every check, and what happened through that? It's like seriously, when I talk about getting knocked down and having to figure out how to get back up. Uh, you know, Daryl Boyd, he's my, he's, he's my COO, also my best friend, just an amazing business guy, but, you know, has the same heart for this business and for this, for this trade and, and, and for, and for Mr. Sparky. But, uh, we just went on a tour and we started training. We started recruiting and training. That's all we did for like a year. And, and a year later, we had got, we had, we had built back up with brand new techs back up to the same place that we were. And honestly, that was a launching point of where we took off. We had kind of hit some brick walls of that 5 million for several years. And so that's what I mean by some of those, some of those, those, 
those roadblocks or the obstacles you go in, you you run into really truly, there's some blessings there if you can if you can get through them and you can learn from what you do there and, and that would change our whole philosophy and training. Uh, we saw how we could get we could get uh, uh, we can get techs up and going. You know, uh, back in the, back back in those days, it was taking you know six eight you know. Uh, six, eight months to a year to get a guy really performing the where he could at his peak. And we started finding out, hey, we, we do it this way and we do it more frequent frequent, and we follow this plan. We can get guys running in, in, in a month or two, you know, to the point that it was taking like six or eight months to get guys going uh, to get to that point before. And so we just, you know, it, it, was, it was a blessing. It truly was a blessing. It helped us be able to do that. Now, and we we tell our we, we tell our electricians every single day hey, this company was built on training we will train uh we don't miss training we never cancel a training class ever it just doesn't it doesn't happen uh we're gonna have it because we're gonna we're gonna live or die by that uh by that training and we believe that through that through that piece and so you know basically our story is is, is that guys it was it was, it was coming and, and, and learning from mistakes that we had and being able to have a little bit of grit to be able to push through them and, and, and go on. And, and from that point, we've, we've really kind of taken off and, uh, you know, we've now, I think we're now, we're opening our seventh location here next month. So, and things are, are going, uh, are going very good. We have amazing system and processes in place. We've got the best culture uh, that I could ever imagine within our, within our business, uh, our people love each other. You know, we had a guy, uh, that just had, this just happened yesterday and this is, this is amazing, but he got a call during our, during our training and he had to leave right in the middle of it. Uh, and he found out his house was on fire and he left out and, and we have a, a, a management meeting every morning at eight thirty and, and all the managers get on there and we just kind of just a quick, uh, we call it scrum, just kind of a quick, uh, a quick talking about things that we had done yesterday, things today, kind of keep everybody up to date. And, and on, on scrum, the manager there, uh, in Oklahoma City said, yeah, he left his house was on fire and basically found out that, uh, when he got there, his house was, was completely burned down. It was completely burned down. And, uh, this morning he was selling us after that. We've, uh, we were able to help and, and get him an Airbnb and something that he had a place. But, you know, it wasn't just a place to lay his head. It was like they had no clothes. They had nothing at that point. And the, those guys in that shop put an envelope together that morning and and started taking cash funds uh, just to be able to help him, just to be able to go out and, and do that. And, and we've opened that up company-wide. And, you know, there are thousands of dollars just from – being part of this family, being a part of this culture. And to think back in that, that, that toxic culture that we had, you know, back in the day to now looking at it where it is today and to see that those guys just said, Hey, this is one of my brothers, you know, and let's put, you know, let's, let's help. I mean, this envelope was, you should see it. This envelope was, was, was full you know, a hundred dollar bill. These guys just were, were going to get money and putting in that, putting in this fund, uh, for their brother. It was, it was pretty cool. Yeah. That's uh, to awesome. Be able to see that. So to, to, to go full circle and that culture size and be able to see that, uh, it was, it was really good. Every, really cool. 
When when did you say this happened? This happened two days ago. Oh, jeez. Uh, yesterday. No, yesterday is when the fire happened. So wow. you're talking about? Yep. Mm-hmm. Today is when they had the envelope, put the envelope together uh, and put the money together. I found out. I saw that this morning. Yeah. Pretty yeah, cool. Yeah, really cool. So what I'm what I've caught so far, grit, getting punched in the face, and uh, being able to to take it standing up. Certainly, the de- determination to keep going when when the uh, skies are gray, and you know, in bankruptcy, and the fear that uh, you're going to be booted out of the brand, and uh, humility in terms of not not being afraid to learn from anyone and asking the questions that most people would be embarrassed to ask to uh, ask. Well, and also an evolution, really, because or, or adaptation, perhaps, is a better phrase. In in that, uh, you were willing to take the things that you had learned and then totally turn it on its head and go from a culture that was admittedly toxic to one that was, you know, tech friendly and tech based and training based and those types of things. And yeah, it's we can get we can get stubborn in our ways and just say, well, okay, I just had the wrong people. We're going to stick with what worked or what I think is going to work. And then we're just going to try to build it again. But that's not what you did. You, you reframed it and went back to the drawing board. Yeah. Yeah, no, it was, uh, yeah, it was a humbling time. I, you know, I, um, there was never any quit in me, but going back and looking at that, uh, as we went through that, I mean, there are a lot of moments where, you know, you know, Daryl and I would look at each other and when we're driving to Oklahoma city to meet with a, uh, recruit or, or do a training class and and uh you, you know you know we weren't going to talk about it but we're, we're there was a little bit of worry there about you know what was going to happen there how we're going to pay the bills and, and everything like that so uh we knew that when we get the thing built back up there was zero way we were going to go back to that type of culture and today I can tell you, I don't care how big and how, how good the, the, the performer is, the, the tech that we have in the field or how much he's producing as far as revenue goes. Uh, if he begins to get toxic and we can't get that in line, he's gone. We are not going to allow it to, uh, to, to infiltrate our, you know, our, our culture uh, ever again. And we're, we keep ourselves in check as well to make sure we're not pushing something that could, be, uh, that, that could take us to a toxic level. So speaking of the training that you're doing, are you focusing mostly on technical training or life training, a blend of the two? What's, what do you focus on there? I see. So we, yeah, we do a variety uh, of things. Our, our staples that we have, uh, you know, and probably like you guys, we do a, we do a, a Tuesday, Thursday uh, training, which is really a, a, a Tuesdays is a teaching training. Uh, where it's it's more about communication and uh, there may be some uh, some different things about life and motivation and different things like that in there or it may just be strictly on hey here's how you work on your conversion rate type stuff it may be something like that and then uh, and then our Thursday training is uh, is basically a role play technical training is that we that what we do uh, and then we have we have a Tuesday training which is all for for guys that are uh, apprentices uh, and they're working on passing their their test, it's a it's a it's basically a code test in class where guys can get on video. All the stuff is we do all these things via video. So uh, all these classes are done because my whole goal when we started building these multiple locations, uh, it doesn't work for everybody. But uh, 
but for me, I wanted it to feel like we were one big company. And I always wanted to have that feel like a one big family. Everybody could see everybody else on the video screen and we could, you know, reach out to each other when we needed help and different things like that. And so uh, early on, uh, I invested in, in uh, video conferencing uh, equipment. And so we've had video conferencing stuff that we use. So these guys can log in from, you know, uh, from anywhere. Uh, if, if they want to the shop, they can do it. Most of them, they get on their iPads and they log into this. And we have a guy that trains that class. And, uh, and, and you know, and, and we also do a lot of uh, leadership type training. So, uh, oh, we had, we had uh, another. I, I want to talk about that leadership training thing, yeah. but I, I also want to give, uh, we got a guy who lives, what's he, about an hour and a half away from the shop and, uh, mm-hmm. you know, has his jobs out close to his house. So, this morning, James Schmidt, uh, he was on my Zoom Zoom train Zoom uh, for my training this morning, and uh, we had him do some role playing. Well, he got to be a tech talking to a client over the phone, so that was fun. Good yeah. job, James Schmidt. He nailed it, killed it. You know what's fun? What's fun about that when you start learning the video conferencing and how you can utilize that? I don't think we'd be where we are today going through COVID had we not had the video conferencing. Uh, set up and so uh, for to give you an example so when everything went down with COVID and everything got shut down uh, we didn't know what was going to happen at that point but uh, give you a little background our, our meeting rhythm uh, is every morning we meet which some people might call this training we don't call it training necessarily although we do get into some training aspects of it but uh, we have a huddle uh, every morning, to, like it's designed to be a 10-minute huddle with everybody logs in from every location, whether it be from the shop or from you know your your, your van pulled over in a parking lot on your iPad or whatever, and they get in and and uh, it's kind of a fun rah rah get get guys uh, excited and and we go over numbers. We talk about the guys that had the uh, the best day the day before, and we give props to bro brags to other guys that. Uh, that helped them, came and helped them out and do different things like that. But during COVID, uh, we learned, it was another learning moment for us. We learned that, man, this is a this is an amazing tool for this because we were able to get everybody in remotely because we weren't coming into the office at that point. They were able to log in and we were able to have these huddles and be able to continue kind of that feel. Not the same thing as being in the office, but it was as close as we get that feel every morning. And we got to keep it light with guys. So, you know, it wasn't the, the fear of what was going to go on. And, and our thing is, hey, we're coming out much stronger than we than we than we came into it. Uh, we're going to train. We're going to change some things up. And and we got all of our training uh, on video. We got a platform now that we're using to have every bit of our training where guys can can log onto that and see every every single training class that we do. It's uh, it's it, it, it's it's there for them to be able to log in and be able to see it. Uh, along with our, you know, our, our technical training class. So through that piece, we even continued uh, to learn and get better. And today we're better because of the things that we learned going through COVID and how even more we can utilize the video uh, in, in that aspect of it. I think you're spot on there, man. And uh, COVID was just another example of your demonstration of grit. You know, hey, you know, a lot of people, a lot of people just sat on their hands and said, you know, what are we, what are we going to do? What can we do? I guess we're just going to shut down. And yet the trades in, in many ways uh, cannot do that. And so shout out to you. And I think many people in the trades who 
not only pushed through a difficult time, but exploded on the other side of it and, and demonstrated that grit in that I'm just not going to let this affect where we're going. We're still going to keep moving forward. And it's, it's a, it's a powerful thing if you can grab hold of it, uh, and do it. It's one of the things that I think is, uh, essential, uh, in leadership, man. Uh, you gotta have, you gotta have that grit and that be able to drive and determination to to continue. Uh, and I, you know, I'm, I'm far from the only guy that does that. There are lots of business owners that deal with those kind of things and they've had to deal with those kind of things and they've been able to push through those things. And, uh, the other guys that may be going through some of those things right now. And, and, uh, so it's, uh, hopefully, um, you know, they can hear this and be able to have a little bit of encouragement that you just keep pushing through, uh, keep pushing those obstacles. Absolutely. Now, Aaron, I want to ask you some things from your background as an electrician, because a lot of our listener base sure. is frontline people. And so it's always interesting when we get somebody on the show who started their career behind a steering wheel and now sits behind a desk and I think you, you're no different there. You know, how did you make that jump, not only physically in terms of developing your career and, and literally getting out of a truck, but also mentally, because it is different, right? It, it really is different. It's different. That there are positive and negative. There's an advantage today. Um, uh, I know, um, you know, I still do, I, I still do our, a lot of our training uh, that I'll get on and, 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 and do that. I have a, you know, and it's because I have the confidence of what I, what I did when I was in the field. I know the things that these guys are going through. Uh, I know it's not as easy as other people that haven't been there and haven't done that, haven't, you know, busted their knuckles and had to crawl up in hot attics and do all those type of things. Uh, you know, I, I get that. I understand that piece, but also uh, it gives me credibility you know, with our guys also to be able to know I'm, he's not just a, you know, this, this suit that's up there trying to tell us what to do uh, at that point. But no, for me, uh, it, it was a plan. I, 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 I wanted to build something. I've, I've been an entrepreneur at heart for a long time. I'm, I'm an electrician proudly. If someone asked me, what do you do? Uh, my answer is I'm an electrician. And it still is to this day. I'm an electrician. I'm proud of being an electrician. Uh, but I also wanted to grow a business and want to build a business. So I tried to learn everything I could do, uh, to, to move from the truck into the office, uh, into more, uh, an area where I could, um, where I could work on the business and not necessarily in the business. Uh, and, and, you know, I learned this from some people take that way too literal, right? So they just drop working in the working in the field and they go into the office uh and and that's it. It, it, it it's not like that there's a transition time you know in there you can't just quit and say i'm not going to go out and do that and we have managers uh today and that's one of the things that we train on when they come in when they come into our our, our uh ops management training is hey you're still going to wear a uniform you're still ready you, you're going to have to run calls you got to be ready to run calls this is not about hey i've just I just moved into the office and I was going to sit, you know, in, at a desk all day long because I want them to have the attitude of, hey, I'm, I'm an electrician. You know, this is what I, you know, this is what I do at this point. Um, so it would, to answer your question, I don't know if I have or not, uh, Nate, but it was, it was, 
it was something that I wanted and I worked towards and it was a little strategic. And I think maybe I moved in maybe a little bit uh, sooner than what a lot of other people would have. But I think it was but my drive and determination to be able to build that business uh, is what is what drove me uh, is what drove me to do that. And I think we're better we're, we're better before we're better for it today because I was able to do that. Because sometimes you can also do it the other way, right? You can stay in the truck way too long, and and you can never do more than what you can do yourself when you're in the field. But if I could get in the if I can move out of the truck and I could start, uh, you know, multiplying myself uh, that's out there and try to train guys and. That was the one thing that I was very confident that I could train guys. Uh, and so that's what I really focused on. I, I went and trained guys. I, I rode along with guys. Uh, I, I focused on, on our training aspect of what we had to do and, and how we were going uh, to do that. And I learned from a lot of other really, really good uh, people. For instance, you know, like I talked earlier, Patrick Kennedy uh, and his group uh, when he was in Atlanta learned a ton. Uh, from those guys. What's the last time you strapped on a tool belt there, Aaron? I had a tool belt on this weekend, buddy. My, my man, <laughs> my man. <laughs> in front of a client or in front of your My spouse? guys are going to listen to that and laugh. No, <laughs> I, was, I was working around my house trying to figure out why my GSCI was tripping. Uh, so that's what I was doing. Did you call your I service manager like I do? <laughs> I, I did not uh I, I didn't but we did uh we got it figured out it was tricky it was tricky but i got it figured out no it's been uh it's been a while yeah and, a while and the I'm reason the down. reason i'm asking is because you know time time is a, a great perspective giver right so You've been out of a truck for a while, you know, and, and you're not seeing the day-to-day -day things, but you do have a different a view of things, a different paradigm. And and I guess the reason I'm asking is because the trades is one of those unique opportunities that gives people the ladder to get from the base level to the top level, Absolutely. like the whole way through, and, and fairly quickly in terms of many other corporations or industries. As you think back upon your years in a truck and now you look at where you are today and, and the steps that you took or were, were afforded to you and, and the things that you did and challenged and all that throughout that entire time, what would you say for somebody who's listening to this now, you know, behind their steering wheel, what would you say would be the things that they should be refining in their own life to make the jump far easier and more effective then perhaps it would be if they would just keep on doing whatever it is they're doing. Yeah. So I, I feel the pain. I've been there. I've been the guy that was running the service call, the CCR that was answering the phones. And I guess you could say I was a dispatcher as well. Uh, I even took complaint calls uh, while I was uh, driving, leaving someone's house uh, that somebody said, I've, I've, I pulled in front of them or something like this. Oh. Yeah, I, 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 I feel that. That's, right? It's got to be great to have that come right to your cell phone. We're like, were you in a, uh, yeah, you were in a blue <laughs> Cadillac? Yeah. Yeah. Well, you deserved it. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh, some of those didn't go so well, but, uh, I think the best day in, in my own career was when, when, uh, I could handle 
where I could hand all the customer complaints to someone else and I didn't have to handle those personally every single day. So I think us as business owners, these are our babies and it's so personal to us, right? And it, and when those kind of things come in, it just guts me. I can't stand to have something negative being said, you know, and I, I want to be able to fix it. But to, to say a guy that was out there and how you make that, how you make that transition, I would say, um, number one, you need to, you need to invest in, in training, uh, cause you got to get your guys up and going and you're going to have to carry some guys for a little bit. Is that, is so, that training of yourself or is that investing in becoming a trainer? So I think, so if you're an electrician in a truck, driving a truck and you own a business right now, then you've got, you've got what it takes to train your people, but you got to invest in yourself and start beginning to learn and, and be able to understand that I've got to be able to, I've got to be able to train other guys to step into this spot before I can step out of it. Uh, and there's got to be a process to that. And, you know, I don't know the size, you know, where, where that was at. Like I said, I think, you know, uh, before I opened my second location was in 2013, I was probably, I was fully out of a, I was fully out of a truck by then. And, and, um, but, but I, man, my mindset, and that's the other part of it, your mindset, right? That's kind of part of that grit piece, but the mindset piece, you've got to, you've got to be dialed in and know that, Hey, this will not fail. I remember when I opened up the Oklahoma city location, which was my second location where there, and that was 2013 and the electrical industry and in the, you know, in, in the trades in general, wasn't a whole lot of multi-location, uh, uh, multi-location operators out there that you could look at and say, Hey, how do I learn this and that? And so uh, my mindset was like, I will not fail. I cannot fail. I will not fail. I will not fail at this. And every day I work to make sure that that location uh, thrived. And, and today it's our, it's our, it's our largest location that we have and they're, they're flourishing. We've got amazing, amazing managers that are there and, uh, and they've done really well, but I had to pull myself out of the, out of the van uh, before I could ever get to that point because I had to focus on it. But what I focus on, and this may not be for everybody, but what I focus in is on training. Uh, and I listen to everything that I could possibly find uh, on training from anything that our brands put out uh, to, to, to Charlie Greer back in the, back in the day to, uh, you know, to so many other, so many other guys that are out there uh, that are out there today that, that I just devoured everything that I possibly could do uh, and, and learn. And so that's, that, I don't know if that, Nate, I don't know if that's, it doesn't feel like that answered the question exactly because I don't know if I can pinpoint it. All I can say is if you, if you want to get out of it, you've got to learn how to train and coach your people. And when, when I talk to my, my ops managers, you know, we talk about this is what you need to focus in on. Uh, you need to, Spend a third of your time with the operations. That means, you know, your payroll reports, you know, any other kind of reports that these guys have to do on a daily basis, you know, for us, making sure their KPIs are in check, that they've got those in those place. And then another third of your time needs to be recruiting. Uh, and because our guys are still 
our, our ops managers are still our recruiters at that point. And I think uh, uh, they're the best fit uh, for that. I think, I think it works. We have a recruiting coordinator uh, at our office, but they send all these leads out to our ops manager. So, so we train on that, how to handle uh, recruits. So they need to, you need to be able to recruit. And thirdly, you got to be a coach. Uh, you got to know how to coach somebody. You got to be willing to coach somebody and have that coach's heart that you want to see these guys uh, improve. And, uh, and so that's what I look at. That's what I teach. And that's what I did. No, I think those, those, absolutely. Those three things are excellent and just a really simple way of breaking down focus points for, uh, people who are in a truck right now who are looking to get out of it. So review that one more time. You got to be a good coach. You have to have a strong understanding of the financials and you got to be a good recruiter. Yes. And those are, I mean, you're, you're absolutely right. Those are three of the absolute main things that anybody in the office who's in an operations role or service manager role or any of those levels uh, need to be focusing on because without one of those components, the other two start falling apart really quickly. Like if you can't, if you can't recruit good people, well, there's no need to pull financial reports because it's not going to matter. If you can't coach right. your people well, well, <laughs> you better spend a lot of time pulling financial reports because it's going to be painful. And if you can't coach people, then, I mean, all, all the great recruiting and financial reports in the world is going to mean very little to you because your people are going to leave or they're not going to get better. Or you're not going to get better because if you can't do the operational side, and you can't do the recruiting side, you better be dang good at coaching guys, <laughs> right? Right. Uh, and that's, you know, that's what we tell them, is that you, you better be a really good coach. And that's something that we look for when we promote guys, and we love to promote guys from within. Um, uh, you know, Brian, I know we talked about our, our ops management, our ops leadership training that we do for guys, but we just had a class, and we have five guys in that class and three of them uh from that was a month ago three of those guys we promoted into ops management roles uh out of that class and that's one thing that that you know those are the three things that that we that we focus in on you've got to learn these three things uh and and when you when you're an electrician or tech or anything like that and you're moving from the field into the office, the most daunting thing for these guys and where they spend and think 90% of the time are on the operation side, understanding, you know, your financial metrics, you know, that type of stuff, understanding how to, you know, input different things on the computer, where to find things, you know, on, on in the, you know, on your, on your computer and how to use those things. And it, it just overwhelms them uh, to that point. I think that's the same thing that probably happens with a lot of, with a lot of, owners that are just starting out in, in the van they get overwhelmed by that piece but <clears throat> but if you can recruit and you can train guys and you can coach guys uh i say those those two you you gotta have if, if you if you're growth minded you gotta have those two i mean you can find someone to help you with you know with your financials and to go over that and you can learn that from somebody but if you can't coach and you can't recruit then you're going to have a hard time uh, growing a business today. Or you better be starting with some finances because you can pay for those things. Well, you'll burn through them if you don't, if you don't know how to uh, continue to, to, uh, to, to train your guys. Cause your guys are going to go out and blow calls. You know what I mean? That point. 
So Aaron, I mean, great stuff there. And as we kind of shift gears here to perhaps some owners that are listening, um, you know, I think the, the average electrical shop across the nation is probably one to $3 million, one to $5 million and under I'm guessing. And, uh, you know, you're, yeah, you're five, five, you're five times that, right. And so at least five times that in, in, uh, in rounding out this year in the 25 million mark or somewhere above there, uh, what is it that what is it that gets you that scale? I mean, how did you successfully take two trucks, you being in one of them, to now? How many do you have on the road now? I think we're at 55, 55 trucks right now. Fifty-five trucks. How do you go from two trucks to fifty-five trucks, from four hundred thousand to twenty-five no, million? No. From two trucks. To 2017 to zero trucks. Oh, that's true. The <laughs> rebuild. The rebuild. Back to 55 in five years. Right. How do you do that? Well, it's just like what we talked about. It's like, you know, that old saying, how do you get an elephant one bite at a time? Uh, so that's, you know, that's exactly it. You got to focus in on one thing and be able to get better at that and then be able to move on beyond that. Uh, so I would say, um, it was, ex it's exactly, I surrounded myself with people that were smarter than me, number one, especially in these past, you know, these past maybe, um, five, six, seven years. I've got a couple of my top managers have been there with me for seven years, uh, right now. And I wasn't afraid to hire people that were smarter than me. And that means that, uh, what I mean that is, is, I had to be able to recruit those people, right? I had to talk them into coming and working uh, for me. I had to take, sometimes I had to pay them more than what I could sometimes in my own mind justify, you know, paying them uh, to be able uh, to get them in there uh, to be able to work for me. But the biggest piece is, is, is being dedicated, being dedicated to training your people, uh, developing your people, continuing to develop I mean, from the time they're apprentices to helping them get their licensing uh, to to getting to the point that, um, you know, we've got, you know, you guys are the same way. You got guys that are making, you know, uh, we got a guy that made over $200,000, you know, with us uh, um, and multiple and, and, and a whole slew of guys that are making six figures, you know, that are there. And it's investing in those guys, developing those guys. And it's been fun to watch those guys move into a leadership role with us um, because those guys believe in what we do. They believe in our system. And I would rather have those guys leading my people because, rather than have, to have somebody uh, from the outside come in uh, to be able to do that. I love smoke from within. And that's because we're continuing to develop these guys so they are ready uh, to be able to do it. But it goes back to Nate, to answer but it goes back, if you ask me honestly, it goes back to training and developing your people. Training and developing your people and, you know, always, always being prepared. Never, don't, don't we just, we, we don't cancel classes. We don't take excuses for guys missing, uh, missing training. I mean, there's not an excuse work-wise that you miss, you miss your training. Uh, I mean, today, if, if they go to a job early, then they sit out in the truck and they watch it, you know, on their on their iPad with us, you know, at that point. It's that kind of 
that kind of dedication saying, Hey, we will not, we will not, uh, we will not move away from this idea. We're going to continue to stay on this. This is who we are. Training is one of our core values and, uh, it's our foundation of what we grow this business. So, uh, to me, and I say that because that, that's where my heart is at the heart. I'm a, I'm a coach and a, and a, and a trainer and I love that still today love that uh, I get to train today more managers than I do text, but I still love it. No, I can hear it in your voice, Aaron. And I think, uh, I mean, just listening to you have, you can sense that coach's heart that you're bringing through on the mics here. And, uh, you mentioned that it's training is one of your core values because it's one of those next level commitments that you are just saying, like, we're not surrendering on this piece. It doesn't matter what, what are the, if you don't mind sharing, what are the other core values that you have implemented into your business and how do you actually practically put them out there? So, yeah, we have our core values there. We talk about our core values in every one of our training meetings. So we'll talk about that. As a matter of fact, uh, we call it our number one core value. Uh, and it's not that it's more important than the others, but it's bigger and it's, it's kind of, it's, it's who we are. Uh, and it's a, we will make every home safer. Uh, we'll make every home safer than we found it. Not because it's our job, but because it's our responsibility. And that's, that's what we preach to our guys. If you're doing your job, you're making every home safer than you found it. Cause that's your responsibility. Being a Mr. Sparky electrician, if you want to be Mr. Sparky electrician, you want to work with us. And it's, it's another level. You have to see it. It's not about money. It's got to be bigger than that. It's got to be bigger than, you know, what your paycheck is uh, or how much you make or anything like that. It's got to be about making people's homes safer because that's when it all boils down, that that's what it is. Um, you know, we were talking about this morning in our training class and talking about how uh, if we're not, when we go out and we talk to clients, we're not selling. It's not about selling at all. It's about educating. And we're going to talk about safety. Why? Because I want to sleep well at night. So when I leave the home, I want to make sure that I've educated that client, that we've talked about everything that I found. We're going to do a safety inspection on every home. So everything that we found, we're going to talk to the client about. Why? Because they don't have, it's not that they have to do it. I just want them to understand it. Because when I leave, they, they may decide not to do it, but it's not because I didn't make them aware. And at least they're a little better uh, prepared and a little safer just because, uh, they know, uh, what's going on within their home. So, uh, when you talk about core values, that's a big one. That's number one. We talk about, um, uh, you know, we're going to do the right thing. Uh, and even if it's not easy and that's, that's another one, do the right thing. Uh, even when it's not easy, because it's easy to make, uh, sometimes it's easy to make it, you make a decision sometimes because it's easy, it's an easy decision to make, not the right decision to make, right? Uh, and that's something that we talk about, uh, and that's part of who we are. If we don't stand up, you know, we have the, the same warranties that you guys have, 100% satisfaction guaranteed warranty, and we give that to our clients. And we want our guys to, to talk about that with a client. Uh, and we're going to live up to it. And sometimes that's a tough decision to make. I remember uh, several years ago, we had a client that, that called and was upset about some work that we did. And it was a, it was a large job. It was a $15,000 job. And, uh, and and they were upset with some of the work that we'd done. And 
and honestly, they would not allow us to come out there and, and, and fix it, even though as much as we wanted to be able to come out there and, and take care of it for them, they just wouldn't allow, do it, wouldn't allow us to come out there and do it uh, until, uh, you know, we sat back and said, hey, this is our core value. This is, this is what we had to do. It was the biggest hit that I had taken in one, in one, uh, at one time and wrote a check out for $15,000. And honestly, it's paid for itself over and over and over again because we use that, we use that 100% satisfaction guaranteed on every call. We educate, we talk to our client about that. They know it. And because that we do that, um, uh, because we paid that, now they have a story to talk to the client and say, hey, you know, this happened. This is real. I was here. I know when this happened. And, uh, you know, we, and, and there's only a handful of those that so we've had to do that. And, and some of them, some of them are, are, are big tickets. Some of them aren't so much, but it's who we are. And it was the right decision because that's what we, that, that's who we are. It's what we set out to be. And that's what we're going to continue to be. So, uh, that was, a, um, we're talking about core values. You can try to try to get us back on track. Sorry, guys, I can get off track. <laughs> um, no, that's good. Yeah, so we have we have seven uh, core values uh, that that we live by, uh, and one of them we talked about earlier in the story of uh, Cody, my my uh, my electrician in in Oklahoma City, that uh, his house burnt down, and everyone kind of teamed up together to be able to help him uh, at that point. Um, one of our core values is we are family. Uh, we believe that a healthy family at home is what makes a healthy family at work possible. And, uh, and, and that's part of it. We're family. We're going to, we're going to treat each other like a family. We're going to treat each other with respect, but we're also going to, uh, we're also going to be there for each other. And man, what a great example. Uh, and that's not the first time. It's just a really recent time that that, that that's happened. It's so cool, uh, to see that. And, we do some other things to put some teeth behind that. So we do something that uh, we call family days because I believe it. Um, you know, I had kids a little later, a little later in life. Uh, and, uh, and so I had to learn this later on because early in, early in my career, uh, man, I, I worked 60, 80 hours a week and, and I busted. And that's just what I did. And I expect everyone around me to do the same thing. Right. And, and, I didn't think about their family. I didn't have a family to worry about. And so I didn't think about that piece when I, you know, when I did get married and I did uh, have kids and begin to see how that affected me and how that affected other people. I look at it differently. And so we put these four family days out there. It's four days. It's paid days off that you can use anytime throughout the year. It's in addition to your vacation days. It's in addition to all of that. PTO, it's all that kind of stuff. It is, it's four additional days that we add on that you can use half days or whatever, because we understand there are times that guys, you know, want to want to go to their kids' performance on on a Tuesday morning, right? And it's going to be at school and, and and they're performing, doing something, or they got awards assembly or something like that, uh, or they're graduating from you know from preschool or you know or or, or they want to go take a Friday because they want to see a, you know, a t-ball tournament or a baseball tournament when their kids are in or a soccer tournament or something like that. And it's what our way of saying, Hey, we're putting teeth to this. This is what we believe. This is who we are. Uh, it's important to me. Uh, and, and I want to make sure that we, that we put that out there. So we, we, 
give those additional days so these guys, and we make sure they understand that, hey, use them. That's what they're there for. Uh, we work hard. We will work hard. Sometimes we work late, you know, to get jobs finished because we got jobs lined up for the next day. But I want you to be able to know that you can take these family days and spend time with your family, whether it be a long weekend or, or taking a half day to be able to go, uh, you know, go see your kids in a, in a, you know, in a performance at school. So those kind of things are important to us, and I won't go through all seven of them, but those are just kind of uh, some of the highlights of, of, of what we do. Excellent stuff there, Aaron. Hey, as we're bringing things in for a landing here, I'm sure there might be some people that are interested in learning more about you, especially because you have such a desire to be training and coaching. Uh, if you're open to that type of thing, how can people reach out to you? Man, they can uh, uh, email me anytime and uh, I'll contact you back. Uh, my uh, email address is Aaron, A-A-R-O-N, at sparkyelite.com. S-P-A-R-K-Y-E-L-I-T-E.com. Fantastic. Hey, Aaron, you're a big fan of the yeah. show, right? Absolutely. Huge fan of the Waste No Day podcast, right? <laughs> oh, boy. I am a huge fan of the Waste No Day podcast. <laughs> what is your favorite episode? Okay. Favorite episode. Uh, so I said probably the last one, uh, that I listen to. I love that. I love the Tommy Mello. Uh, and I went on because of that, went on and read his book, uh, as well from that. I like, um, gosh, I haven't listened to the, 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 the Roy Williams. I listened to the, uh, the guy that wrote the dog, the, the, uh, the, gosh, what was the one about the dog? Uh, the, the Peter, the, Peter the, Nevlin, the, the wiz dog. uh, wizard of ads, yeah. wiener dog marketing. Yeah, I love that one. I love, uh, I loved the. Uh, I can't name just one. It's uh, the one with the Navy Seal. Gosh, what's his name? He did the uh, the hunting Hitler uh, documentary. That was uh, a and a Delta sniper, not a Navy Seal. The Navy Seals would not appreciate <laughs> oh, that one. That's Tim Kennedy. <laughs> Tim Kennedy. He's actually down your way, way, buddy. So like that, he is pretty close to you. He's in Austin. Yeah, no, I don't. I don't think the seals appreciate that. They don't like the army and the navy mixing like that. Yeah, that was uh, that was episode fifty. Tim Kennedy. Well, I love Tim Kennedy. Just in case he's listening to this, uh, I'm sure he is. <laughs> I can't imagine he wouldn't be listening to this. I, I, I love Tim, and I don't want to make Tim mad because he's also a UFC uh, uh, guy. So I, I definitely don't want to upset that guy. No, that's not. That's one of those guys. I just I'll do almost anything to keep him from being upset with me. Yes, exactly, exactly. But that was a great one. I love that. That it was. I love documentaries, so I love that one. The, the hunting Hitler uh, documentary it was really interesting. Yeah, that was a great show. His his uh, hard to kill on the Discovery Channel was a great show too. Where he they got a hold of like I think there were video, but uh, but stories of these people going through these insane things like falling out of a plane and surviving, you know, with no parachute. And he would, he is this crazy, would reenact these things personally. So That's incredible. Like, <laughs> yeah, That's incredible. I, said, I haven't seen that. I've, I've got to go, I've got to look that up now. Yeah, I asked him, like, what's up with, with, I forget if there was one season or two, but it was over. And I said, what, what no next season? And he's like, man, I got a family now. I can't, 
<laughs> can't be doing these things. Well, this has been good stuff today, Aaron. Thanks so much for sharing with us. And as we kind of wrap up, I mean, you're sitting at 25 million this year. Where are you going, man? And how do you see yourself getting there? What are your goals? Yeah, do you have a do you have a 2030 goal set yet? Uh, we, we, you know, we're, we went we went three years in advance, and we're looking to be 70 million in three years. So it's like I said, if it doesn't scare you, then uh, then then you, you're doing it wrong, right? Uh, so ah. you, you got to put it out there. Brian just started sweating over here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, we have it, you know, it's, 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 it's fun. We had a whole uh, uh, planning session where we sat down and, and, and we mapped it out what it looked like. And it's definitely aggressive, but uh, that's, you know, that's where we, uh, that's where we see us in, uh, in three years. That's fantastic, man. We love aspirational growth. That's fantastic, and that is certainly what we're about here, improving yourself. Aaron Hagen, you've been a joy to have on the show. Thanks for sharing some of your content with us about how uh, people in the trucks can get better, how they can be looking to step out of the truck into something higher, how to have a culture that is developed for the people itself, and how to always have training as a consistent piece of it. Good stuff. Good. Thanks for having me, guys. I appreciate it. Thanks. Um, thanks for coming on, man. In such short notice. I mean, we talked about this what, a week ago today, actually. So yeah, yeah, that was, that was pretty short notice. And, uh, yeah, I really wanted to get you on. I, I, I had great conversations with you last week and I look forward to seeing you at the convention in November. Absolutely. I'll see you there, buddy. Thanks, Nate. Thanks, Brian. We'll see you guys. Hey, that's a wrap for this podcast. We hope you enjoyed hearing from Aaron Hagen. What a great show. And what, uh, what, an inspirational message he's bringing there from to, from uh, well excuse me two trucks and four hundred thousand dollars to zero, and then back to twenty five million with fifty five trucks and hoping to be at seventy million in the next three years. That's fantastic growth and also the the message and the grit that comes with it. Just the pursuit of something that is bigger, something that is hard, and going after it, not letting anything get in the way. We hope that's the message that you embody as an individual, regardless of whether your organization does, you can still hold to that same set of values and that same mindset. And that's what we want to encourage you to do. Uh, Aaron gave his personal contact on there. If you're interested in learning more from him, you can reach out to him. We encourage you to do so. And we also encourage you to share this podcast with somebody who might enjoy it or who might be uh, needing some type of inspiration or encouragement in their own life. Shoot us a message, leave us a review, hit us up on Facebook or any of the other areas where we are. Leave us a five-star review if you can and share the podcast to get the word out. We sure would appreciate it. We're going to leave it here for now with our challenge that we do every single week to make sure that you're looking to become a better person, that you're inspiring others around you and coaching them along the way, and that you yourself are choosing to wake up every single morning and waste no day. 